Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us today. The segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. If you are a commercial agent, you really want to check this out. It's the best training in the world. It's CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Well, today we're doing our ongoing series about uh, COVID-19 and the impact on commercial real estate around the nation. And, you know, real estate performance and values are always impacted by jobs, right? People go where the jobs are going. COVID-19 is really shaking up the entire world. And uh, so if you own real estate, you invest in real estate, uh, you uh, work for a municipality, you're trying to get jobs to your area, it's going to be important to think about what about corporate relocation? Where are companies going to go? Where, where, who, who's going to get these jobs? Because that's going to be the markets that you want to invest in and think about that moving forward. So please welcome my guest. This is John Boyd. He's a principal with the Boyd Company, Inc. And uh, he's joining us here uh, on Zoom. John, good to see you again. Good to see you, Michael. So, John, you put out a, um, an article, if you will, here about the kind of the top 10 uh, takeaways on, on site selection and, and where companies uh, are going to take these jobs. And I know you help uh, large companies uh, with the site location uh, from companies all around, the, all around the world and all around the U.S. And, and uh, you don't have these in a particular order of importance, so stay tuned for all 10 of these, but let's touch on them. And, and the first one you have is, seems like a, a very important one and a pretty big one is uh, kind of the supply chain and, and where we get our supplies uh, from all over the country. Uh, what's the impact there? You're right. Uh, COVID-19 really put a spotlight on our nation's risky over-reliance uh, upon our, our uh, upon China and, and our supply chain concentration, particularly in the medical devices and pharmaceutical industries. We expect pharma and medical devices to be first in line with respect to reshoring manufacturing jobs back to the U.S. Uh, a lot of Americans are surprised to know that less than 30% of active pharmaceutical ingredient production facilities are in the U.S. today. Uh, over the past decade, the number of pharmaceutical production facilities in China has doubled. Uh, so one of the, the, the positives, if you will, with the COVID-19 crisis is I think it's creating new momentum to reshore manufacturing jobs back to the U.S. And keep in mind, this is a, an administration that really has made reshoring of manufacturing a real priority with the corporate income tax cut, the streamlining of regulations, its uh, pro-business energy policy, so we think that's one bright spot. Uh, our firm recently did a study. We identified the I-40 corridor in North Carolina, which connects the triad region, Winston-Salem, uh, to the Research Triangle, Raleigh-Dorm area, is especially well-suited, well-positioned to attract a lot of this reshoring life sciences industry. That's a positive that, uh, quite frankly, we're excited about. Yeah, yeah, well, that makes sense. And, you know, it seems like a lot of these companies, too, are just keeping enough supplies you know, uh, on a on a tight schedule there, right? They didn't have uh, enough supplies. Is that going to change too? Or more companies going to, hey, let's keep more of these materials. So if there is a supply uh, chain disruption, we're not going to be shut down. Absolutely. This this again puts a magnifying a, mag a magnifying focus on the hidden costs of outsourcing production to China. 
Yes, labor costs may be dramatically lower, but with respect to the supply chain considerations, uh, th th this over-reliance upon China is bad business, and it's quite frankly, it's bad policy that we, uh, we need to have a bipartisan policy to promote uh, more manufacturing here in the U.S. And this is a rare example of both parties in Washington coming together. There's a, a bipartisan bill uh, today sponsored by Senator Blackburn in Tennessee and Bob Menendez in New Jersey to create new incentives to manufacture domestically, as well as to create a new fund that will designate new centers of excellence throughout the, the nation to uh, you know, link academic institutions and research facilities with the private sector. So that, that's a potential positive coming out of this COVID-19 crisis. Yeah, and that's nice to have a positive because there's not a whole lot of positive in this situation, and that certainly is one. Um, and the next one may not uh, really be a positive. Let's talk about that. And uh, that's uh, kind of remote working, uh, kind of becoming more of a trend. A lot of these companies, including my own, we have you know 90% of our folks uh, working from home. So you think that'll be a trend that'll uh, increase? We do. I mean, the remote workforce model was a trend before COVID-19. We expect this pandemic to really accelerate the pace of the remote workforce for employers that lowers operating costs. And, you know, a lot of workers like it. This is their first experience with it. Uh, they're able to be productive. Um, and this has real implications on the commercial real estate market. Uh, projects are getting smaller. The average square foot per worker today is 150 square feet per worker. A decade ago, it was 200 square feet per worker. Back in the early 70s, back in the days of the palatial suburban office campus, office space per worker could be as high as 500 square feet per worker. So projects are getting smaller. Uh, there, there's some other implications here. This ties in the, the whole green industry. I think the idea of less commuters, less cars on the road is something that the environmental community can get, can get behind. I can think of all of the nation's parking, uh, covered real estate that's now parking spaces or parking garages being repurposed into green-friendly uh, developments. So I think that's another part of, of this story that will be told uh, in the months and years ahead. And John, how might that um, adjust the decision for a corporate relocation um, if, uh, if more of their employees might be working from home? It allows HR departments, it gives HR departments more flexibility. And it, you really uh, can attract the best talent from around the globe that may not particularly want to move uh, to a site, uh, but they can work and they can be productive and perhaps visit the site periodically. And you know, this is really now being marketed almost as a carrot to, to lure you know, key talent uh, and present them with an option of working remotely. People like to do it. Uh, and of course, many employers favor this model because it, it lowers operating costs. It, requires a less uh, sizable brick and mortar uh, presence in a particular uh, geography. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, and number three here, again, these are not in a, a particular order, uh, but number three has, hey, these companies are going to be thinking about cost in a big way when they pick locations. Absolutely, operating costs are always critical during the site selection process, but as, as companies, emerge from this pandemic uh, and the you know, slow uh, economy that is sure to, to happen, this really puts a focus on the true cost of doing business. It's much easier for companies to focus uh, improving uh, you know, on the, the cost rather than addressing the, the revenue side of the ledger. So this will put a real microscope 
upon state business climates, issues like right to work status, uh, issues like tax policy, and of course, operating costs. Yeah, that's interesting. I've, I've seen, uh, I was comparing one day uh, rents for um, nice, for storage space in New York City to store things. And it was about the same rent as class A office space in Atlanta. <laughs> you know, that kind of puts well, I mean, it in perspective. It, 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 and you know, you're, you're in this industry, a leader in this industry, so you know just how significantly operating costs can vary amongst markets. And a lot of people are surprised to, to think about this, uh, you know, that labor costs in San Francisco, for example, could be 30% more than in a, a Raleigh dorm or in a, a Fort Lauderdale uh, or in a suburban Atlanta location, for example. Uh, right. Class A office space in Midtown Manhattan can approach $150 a square foot versus, you know, $40 or $50 a square foot uh, in Boston or Chicago, for example. Yeah, there's a, a big difference there. And that makes sense that uh, companies are going to really have to watch their costs uh, for the next who knows how long. Well, number four, again, not in particular order, um, is, hey, look, how many relocations will come out of this? Will relocations slow down or speed up? We actually, they, they call economics the dismal science. For every negative, there's a positive. And one of the things that slowed a lot of relocation and expansion projects over the past 18 months was just the overall strength of the economy. We had record low unemployment levels at 3%. Uh, you know, because of now this abundance of workers eager to get back in the workplace, coupled with almost unheard of low financing rates, we expect that to be a catalyst for a lot of planned expansion and relocation projects. Uh, it'll help actually kickstart a lot of projects that were uh, planned projects before COVID-19. Yeah, it's especially, uh, and that makes a good point, especially the amount of um, labor and amount of people looking for work. Uh, that's that's an, a sudden change, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, the, the big narrative in the business media over the past 18 months was how difficult it was to hire workers, not just for white collar positions, but also uh, for development projects, the construction industry uh, really had a shortage of labor. So COVID-19 and the millions of Americans eager to get back to work, coupled with low financing rates, really can be a catalyst uh, to kick off a lot of projects in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah, well, you're right. That construction industry, I was talking, needed the, needed the people. And I was talking to a leader of uh, a big company yesterday and, uh, and uh, he said, yeah, he said, we, we need the people from all levels, starting from the bottom. Um, and it's amazing how much uh, these employees really make in construction. And, you know, they've, uh, they've all been told since they were little, they, they need to go to college and do something else. Well, sometimes they get out of college and making less than they would have laying bricks. But <laughs> uh, right. that would be interesting. So number five um, is... Uh, infrastructure. It seems like we've we've needed to work on our infrastructure, uh, and uh, this may be the time. Absolutely, this is really a, a opportunity for the president to do a massive infrastructure bill. He's been talking about infrastructure uh, all the way back to before the 2016 election. So this is something that has been on his mind. Uh, I, I think it, it can be part of a a new uh, economic stimulus post COVID nineteen. Uh, and it has bipartisan support. Our clients in New York are especially excited about a third tunnel under the Hudson River. Uh, we see opportunities to invest in our nation's seaports, ports at Savannah and Charleston, uh, 
our, as well as our nation's roads and bridges, which are in desperate need of repair. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. And uh, it's uh, we're talking with John Boyd with the Boyd Company about, hey, where are jobs going to be after all this shakes out? Because uh, that's where the real estate values are, are going to in, increase. And uh, number six, it says that uh, you're talking about the municipalities, the cities, the states, uh, they're really going to be going all out to, to attract jobs, right? Yeah, I, you know, cities are really going to be promoting themselves like never before. Politicians on both sides of the aisle will be running on a platform of jobs and job creation. Uh, I think that the states that emerged the quickest out of this uh, slowdown will be states with a positive business climate, states with a low tax structure, as well as states that have very strong and, and well-crafted marketing programs to signal that we're open for business, states that are recalibrating their incentive uh, programs to accommodate the types of projects that we expect in a post-COVID-19 environment. Do you think they'll have less uh, incentive uh, financially, uh, less ability to, to provide financial incentives, or does it just make so much sense to, to give them that they'll still have them? Right. You know, we call incentives the, the necessary evil, and we understand that they're very contentious among the public and among lawmakers today. But, but given the slowdown in the economy, companies will really be in a position to play the need card like never before. And cities and states will be wise to understand that. And it's, it's important to, to remember that incentives are more than just hiring credits and tax exemptions. Today, incentives involve things like workforce training investments and infrastructure investments. Uh, so we expect all of that uh, to be in the mix as we get out of this economic uh, catastrophe. Yeah, especially the, the employee training. That seems like a, a great thing for the current time period that we're in to attract the uh, relocations and provide jobs for your community, right? Yes, and there's been a real rethink happening around the nation amongst lawmakers and the public to really invest in technical schools and vocational training. So the nation's leading manufacturing markets are, have a common denominator, and that's a highly regarded vocational school where students can learn the types of skills that employers, whether that be Boeing or Airbus or BMW, want to hire. Uh, so we're seeing that uh, trend play out as well. Okay. Um, and number seven uh, is related to kind of suburban versus uh, rural, rural, more rural type locations. And, uh, you know, people uh, don't forget things very quickly. And uh, uh, so you think that possibly from this, COVID-19 and afraid to be around people, that may alter uh, where employees want to be and therefore where companies locate? Yes, and, you know, a big buzzword in corporate relocation is continuity of operations. And companies want to avoid a scenario where their workforce and their productivity is disrupted. Uh, so to go to a more rural suburban location that's less congested, that's less costly, that's linked by sophisticated telecommunications infrastructure, uh, and that may also have a kind of new urban development that provides sort of the, the feel of a, you know, a new urban facility. These projects will be in the mix and on the radar screen like never before. Interesting. And, and what's that say to uh, job growth in, in our major U.S. cities then? Well, you know, the downtown trend was a dominant theme in commercial real estate over the past couple of decades. There, there are certain uh, projects that will always covet a downtown location. 
No, but we're seeing this, the, the rise of these new urban planned developments in more suburban rural areas. Many of these facilities have some type of public transportation link. Uh, so I think we're going to see more of that uh, in the months and, and years ahead. Okay. And we're going over the um, kind of top 10 uh, corporate relocation uh, trends or impacts from uh, COVID-19 with John Boyd. And, and number eight uh, is interesting because you talk about uh, some of these retail properties that uh, maybe need to be, will be repurposed. Uh, tell us about that. Well, it's no secret retail was in trouble, okay, before COVID-19. But the reality is there's millions of square feet of retail space, malls, grocery stores, movie theaters that will not be coming back post-COVID-19. This is some of the nation's most prized commercial real estate. A lot of these properties are along major transportation corridors. They have open architecture, which minimizes repurposing construction costs. So a lot of our developer clients are actively looking at opportunities to repurpose a lot of this real estate. The message for economic development professionals is to begin inventorying not just vacant retail space, but retail space that they expect to be vacant uh, six months from now. So when a developer is, is considering a new project, a repurposing project, uh, they can serve this developer with the information as quickly as possible. It certainly looks like an opportunity to do more of the, the popular mixed use development, doesn't it? Yes, mixed use is really where it's at and a big, catalyst, if you will, will be the, this uh, next wave of vacant commercial uh, retail space that'll be on the market over the course of the next year or so. Yeah, as much as uh, retail has, has been, uh, has a tough time uh, before this, it's, it's even tougher now. And, and like you say, it's, it's, a lot of it is really good real estate. It's really well located. Yes, it, it's, it's prime real estate and it's, uh, suited for a number of mixed-use purposes, housing, Class A or Class B office space, as well as the, the types of commercial space that are making money today, like, like recreation space, uh, you know, or different types of training facilities or quick care medical servicing uh, facilities. Yeah. And, you know, my prediction of part of one of my predictions from this COVID-19 is as a more of a separation of the classes. I think, you know, the rich get richer, the, there's going to be more people on the on the bottom end of the social classes economically. Um, and your number nine talks about um, kind of the reflection of, of COVID-19 might have an impact on kind of minimum wages and, and, and uh, wage growth really increasing for a lot of these companies or a wage cost, I guess. When you look at it from the company view. Right. I mean, over the past several election cycles, one of the issues is, has been this notion of the disparity among uh, the poor and the wealthy, the, the idea of two Americas and this idea of a living wage. It's really fueled this new political force in this country, the ultra progressive movement. And now the ultra progressive movement and its push for a living wage and increased minimum wage in the 50 states as a new uh, selling point and this idea of, of retail uh, workers during COVID-19, well, clerks and grocery stores and pharmacies and truck drivers now have the status of first responders. And that will be a very powerful selling point uh, as they begin to really focus on increasing not just hourly wages, but also you know, more generous social service add-ons uh, like paid sick leave and, and different uh, 
educational uh, funds, et cetera. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that uh, maybe lost their jobs kind of look at people that have those jobs and actually um, they feel like, they, well, they're the lucky ones, right? They're, they're not losing their jobs. They are required. Um, but I think there's certainly going to be more uh, people that, that, that need help financially out of this and, and, uh, more po- and more voters to vote for increasing minimum wage. So it seems like that, that, that end of the, of the labor force uh, might get more expensive. Absolutely, Michael. Uh, COVID-19 will create new enforcement momentum for ballot initiatives and legislation aimed at increasing minimum wage. And let's look at number 10. And again, these aren't in a, in a, in a particular order, but it's a very interesting one. So you think there'll be some more growth and uh, revenue producing activities for some of these municipalities. Tell us about that. We do. You know, our firm is very active in the gaming industry. Uh, we view that as a real uh, opportunity for mixed-use development uh, to, to be successful incorporating gaming technology. Uh, and we think that the unprecedented budget crisis that many states will be dealing with post-COVID-19 will provide some momentum uh, to, to increase legal sports betting and also uh, recreational marijuana. Uh, the, the battle for market share today uh, in the hospitality industry is over millennials. And millennials, uh, by very wide margins, uh, favor legalized sports betting and they favor uh, legalized recreation marijuana. It's an in, both are industries that present states with a very powerful opportunity to generate tens of millions of dollars of annual revenue. So we expect that to play out also. Yeah, that's interesting. Already right now, I it's not legal for me to go to church, but I can go to the drive-thru and get liquor. So. Right. Well, I can imagine, I think we'd all be going crazy if, that, if liquor stores weren't deemed an essential uh, business. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, I hope this uh, gets back to normal life as, as quickly as possible and we can get as many of these businesses uh, cranked up uh, fast. Um, well, it's, it's great information. What would you leave our audience with to, to think about moving forward? Say our nation will get through this. Uh, and I, I think the, the, the big message here, this is a real opportunity to continue to recalibrate our business climate, to promote reshoring, and we expect life sciences really to be first in line to continue this manufacturing renaissance we've seen in the U.S. over the past several years. I'm with you. We'll get through it. We'll be better for it. Don Boyd, thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks, Michael. Um, yeah, if you want more information from John, we'll have his, uh, his information, his contact information, his website and all that at our website, CREshow.com. Well, let us know what you think. Uh, you think about these positives and negatives, the trends, the things that COVID-19 might change. And uh, I share this uh, with uh, your, your, your tribe, if you call it that, out there and, uh, and connect with us on your favorite social media. Well, until we uh, talk to you again in our next show, be sure you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm 
doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit BullRealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.